previously on the Infinite Escape Room. Um, am I able to reach out and grab a spade before turning into eider ducks? I put the code in. Good idea, Jamie. You're such a good puzzle solver. You can't just materialize cheese. and welcome to the Infinite Escape Room, the puzzling podcast where a bunch of geographically diverse chums come together, have a drink, and work together to solve a homemade escape room. I'm Ben Levy-Griffiths, and this week I am drinking an old peculiar. And joining me this week, we have... Lee Russ, and I'm drinking a pint of the uh, finest tap. Uh, I'm Adam, and I am drinking a Kettlesmith Skyline Saison. Ooh. How is it? It is delicious. And I'm Mike, and I'm drinking a Tropical Ferret. It's my last bottle uh, of Badger's really lovely uh, passion fruit and mango ale. Yum, yum, yum. Ooh, that sounds good. What, what's it called again? Tropical Ferret. It's like Thirsty Ferret, Ooh. but more tropical. I see. Yes, I was I was uh, confused because I, I knew of Thirsty Ferret. And um, to be honest, I thought you'd maybe had a few too many already. And um, <laughs> me. I'm a paragon of virtue. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, so yes, so listeners uh, will have noticed that we've got uh, two new voices on today, uh, Adam and Lee, from the Average Gamers. Um, guys, what, uh, what what's your Average Gamers podcast about? Go on, Adam, give us the mission statement. Oh, goodness me, Lee. So um, yeah, Lee and I have been running the Average Gamers podcast for um, a good couple of years now. Uh, we cover lots of board games, card games, and anything tabletop, really. Um, we started playing many many years ago decades ago as it were uh, for some of us <laughs> um for both of us, surely. we we've <laughs> well yeah okay fine for, for both of us you're older than me though aren't you so you're like a granddad that's the second time you said that <laughs> yeah i know, it's like, I, know. Kind of I, know. I just like to it. kind of like it's all right, it's all right. um so yeah, we, we, we cover a, a very diverse range of, of topics and games and kind of coverage, anything kind of board, card, game related, what we're playing um, on a monthly basis, um, what we've been up to, news, and just generally just good old fashioned board game banter, really. When we're not playing, we're just talking about playing. So hopefully without spoiling your latest episode, what have you been playing recently? Uh, so the last one we recorded, which just went up, was about uh, a tabletop game called Mice and Mystics. You, you play as these little creatures, well, you're humans that have been transformed into mice by a magical... Uh, <gasps> Spoiler it? alert! No, it's in the first thing, isn't it? Like, you, yeah, uh, a witch <laughs> has, has transformed you into a tiny little mouse. And so, you know, you're kind of fighting your way out and trying to uh, return to human form. Okay, so if you guys had to pick one game from your uh, your current collections, oh each, gosh, I hate to <laughs> take to a family gathering, what would it be? Oh, that's a bit easier actually. Uh, Adam, do you want to take this one, or shall I go? I've got. Oh, several. you can go firstly if you've already got one. Go for it. Uh, I think I would take Junk Art because it's not a traditional board game it's a dexterity game it's like you know mm. stack these odd shaped pieces up high so you don't have to explain many rules to people because you know if you go to family they're like oh board games or like monopoly oh boring <laughs> it's like no but here you go this will this will keep you entertained and i don't have to spend hours re-explaining rules to you <laughs> so that'd be my junk art junk art makes a note 
<laughs> yeah, so so I would probably pick Mysterium. I uh, don't know if you've heard of it. It's a bit like reverse Cluedo. So who did it? What room do they kill someone in? With what weapon? Uh, one of you plays as, as the ghost. Um, it's an asymmetrical game. One of you plays as a ghost. They've got to keep quiet and they give you these um, these art cards that kind of tell you or lead you to as the as the kind of mediums figuring out kind of uh, who it was based on the artwork of their cards and things like that so really interesting game everyone gets it. it's quite simple but like everyone really enjoys playing it and had a lot of lot of laughs um it's kind of a everyone wins or everyone loses kind of thing mm. so you know you're all really in it to make sure you win um which is always great for family games. Everyone's got this opinion of like uh, board games are just monopoly, um, especially oh, when it's toxic, it's isn't family, it? Right? It's like oh, two hours playing a game of monopoly where I'm losing and buying properties. It's, it's just not like that these days. And um, there's so so many different board games out there, and there's ones that are just so casual and nice to play. It just gives you something to talk about around a table. Um, with a few beers, which is what we do the majority of the time. Hey, make us sound mm. alcoholic. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's been said on the before on the show, but um, we we literally uh, conceived this podcast at a beer festival and um, tried to bring beer on every single episode. So, um, you know, you're in good company. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I feel bad for drinking water now. <laughs> oh, when you were on tap, I figured you were. I don't know why. I thought you had like a beer tap with you. I was like, I, oh, I wish. cool. If I did, I'd be twice the size I am now. So, <laughs> oh. hence the water. <laughs> Our friend Bailey calls it council pop. That's always made me smile. That's a good one. <laughs> Desert Island. Yeah. You've obviously washed up with a fresh set of pants and some clothes. Uh, well, actually, just, just fresh pants because it's nice and warm and some food. <laughs> and one board game. You're stuck there with this one board game for a month. Oh, only it's a just month. the two That's of not you. So bad. Oh, between the two of us. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. Board game you've got to play together for a month. See, I was thinking are they, are along they, the lines of what what board game has so many pieces I could construct a shelter from all of the components. <laughs> I mean, quite on quite this Sandberg, definitely. You could build a raft out of the tokens. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, if there's only two of us on the island, that changes things because mm. if if there's any game, it would it would be Twilight Imperium for me. But I'm not going to play that. That doesn't play well two players. So, but we could make it last a month. Um, or build a shelter out of the pieces because there's a lot of pieces in <laughs> yeah. that game as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dual use. That's a really good question. That, 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 that's fine. Twilight Imperium, then. Maybe Treasure Island, because you could play that, <laughs> like, you know, oh, hidden the treasure somewhere on this map that might also be on this island. Yeah, you could hide your pants and your food around the island. Like, make it a bit AR. <laughs> I might get a little awkward. <laughs> spare pants, spare oh, pants. Oh, the spell. Nobody needs yeah. to see that. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a big what? island. By the end of the month, you'll have seen everything. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, so uh, our mutual friend Tom, I remember him uh, coming over to our house and um, he was the one that that showed me that board games were no longer just Monopoly and also that you can play against the board game and the board game can play with you. For something that wasn't like electronic, it was just like, you know, bits of cardboard and plastic. That sort of blew my mind, but but it's awesome. Um, and I forget, forget, I think it was called something like Dead of Winter. Something like, whatever it was that he brought took like three hours to set up. I think and it was brand new. So all the pieces need to be put together for the first time. Oh, goodness. Oh, oh, best goodness. And so, rookie we were... mistake, though, turning up with a brand new... <laughs> that's Tom, though, right? That's, that's Tom through and through. <laughs> so... I was quite excited, and my wife Faye was less excited because she tends not to like board games. Uh, and Tom was just extremely excited. Um, 
And after about quarter of an hour, Faye was no longer interested. Um, and after three hours, I was barely interested. <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun, and we've played it several times since. It's taken a lot less time to um, to set up. But so there's been a few times when I've been like, oh, I wouldn't mind trying to get into playing board games, but either there's no one else that's like at my level, or you're going to be jumping in to um, to a, a group that like probably know each other very well know how each other plays and also know the games really well so do you have any advice for somebody sort of like me wanting to get into this stuff and not wanting to sit round after round of being really really bad well you've got a couple of options i guess haven't you, you i mean the you, you know people that play locally is is maybe or the next time tom visits or something get him to bring a game and teach you or you know the next time you're in the area come and visit all of us and we'll we'll put on a game for you and we'll make sure it's inclusive and not like you know <laughs> oh yeah you know let's let's all club the baby seal that's never played before you know let's beat the new guy <laughs> we're, we're the kind of group we game with are not like that thankfully and I, I would like to think that a lot of board game groups are like that um it's harder to go into an existing group for sure so yes. the other option is you know take some friends to a board game cafe and find a, a more uh, not, not begin again. I hate the I hate to use that word, but uh, uh, a game that's kind of a bit more accessible and it will ease you in a bit yeah. better. You know, something cooperative maybe, so that you're working together. Gateway so, drugs. Yeah, I, th- yes. uh, yeah, I think <laughs> exactly. that's a, a really good shout. Like if if you um if you went to a board game cafe as well, a lot of the people that work there have a lot of experience with games, and they can recommend what would suit your group, your play style, um, and they can help you play through the first couple of turns if you need their assistance nice. just to get up and going. Because I think that's that's a lot of the challenge with these games that once you get the kind of like the the structure of the rounds you can start to move through it but having someone walk you through and just guide you through those kind of first steps those first turns um really useful and not to mention board games are very expensive these days you're talking 40 Mm. 50 pounds for a fairly chunky board game board games cafes give you a a way to trial something see if you like it and then you can invest i definitely second the uh, board game cafe route uh, do you have any more questions mike uh, no i was going to say these chaps clearly know their stuff about board games where can people find you on the internet i mean i won't go as far to say that we know a lot but um we, we try we try Every, everything they know everything <laughs> advertising you is knowing literally everything there is to know about board games um i guess the best place to find us would be at uh, www.average-gamers.co.uk and from there that'll take you to our soundcloud page and We've got all our social links on there, I believe. Uh, alternatively, there is link dot, uh, linktree, uh, linktr.ee forward slash average gamers. And we've got all our social links and other listening platform links there. And all of those links will be in the episode description. And how often do you guys put out an episode? Uh, I'd like to say regularly once a month, but it's not it's not like that, is it, Adam? Let's be honest. <laughs> Trying to get everyone together. You, you, so, so, well, we say that, but we've just revisited our, our schedule and we do have one every month for the, at least the next six months until hey. the baby drops in January and hopefully I'll still get another one in every month. Don't drop the baby. <laughs> Don't <laughs> drop the baby. Like, like Dad 101. <laughs> <laughs> or if you do on a you know, really uh, high shag carpet. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we no hang on i'm not gonna go there i'm not gonna be crude it's a very refined gentleman thanks um, mike i was thinking the same but it's fine <laughs> before we begin i'd like to thank our patreons for their continued support and i'd like to give a special shout out to two of our supporters lily and colin walker thanks very much to the both of you for helping keep the show on the metaphoric road right then 
Just what is the Infinite Escape Room? Well, it's like any other escape room you may be familiar with, but this one reaches across all known themes, retail parks, and dimensions. And because it's infinite, there is no end. Every room in the Infinite Escape Room links into the next in one big never-ending escape experience adventure. Each week, one of us will present a part of the Infinite Escape Room, while the others try and solve it. If you don't escape within 30 minutes, then terrible things shall befall us, and if you break anything, you will lose your deposit. Michael, you are puzzling us this week. Do you have deposits for us? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, If you uh, break anything, then... Ah, there we go. You'll lose one custom die from every single board game you own. Everything else is quite easy to replace, but for some reason, custom die. You can never replace the buggers. (laughs) that's that's horrific such a punishment that is that is awful you are oh you're terrible (laughs) cruel man that's me oh meanie beanie (laughs) some might say diabolical (laughs) was he like this at school as well oh yeah he's he's not changed not at lord almighty I don't, know how you, I don't know how you made it to adulthood then without somebody doing you in for all those times. <laughs> uh, if we break anything, we'll lose our deposit, which this week is the custom die from uh, from every game. Okay, then, are we ready? Yep, good to go. Yes, we are. Then let's enter the Infinite Escape Room. Last time on the Infinite Escape Room, you traversed the lands of the Red Herring Apocalypse, encountered eider ducks, and ascended a mountain of ever-falling dogs to their source, a portal. You were sucked through with little more than your crampons and a farrow and ball colour chart to find yourselves in green. Not something green or somewhere green, but the colour green itself. Everything around you is green. What would you like to do? Do we actually have those items on us? You do, indeed. The fire and ball colour chart. <clears throat> well, I think the first thing, the first thing to do is to find out which colour green. Uh, uh, what shade? Yeah. We are, yeah. So, can we reference the Farrow and ball colour chart, please? You certainly so can. We are if here. You, if you look in the text channel for live recording, you'll see there's a spoiler button that you can click, Ooh. and that'll show you your Farrow and ball colour chart. Ooh. Hello, clicking this. <gasps> you notice that duck green on the chart has something stuck to it. It appears to be a small obsidian meeple. Hmm. Can we can we take the meeple? You do. You take the meeple off of duck green and find yourselves in nowhere. You are in the void. Nothingness surrounds you. Oh, is this? Uh, well, I was just going to say, is, is this, do we think this thing is then colouring the environment? So should we put it on a different thing? Oh, that's a good. Can idea. we see any? I mean, if, if we if we if we just ended existence by picking this thing up, your senses are unable to process the void. It is as if you are surrounded in the thickest duvet ever made. Except the duvet is made of nothing because you're in the void. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> what you have you? nothing but the color charts, the meeple, yourselves, and your crampons. <laughs> oh, what about if we touch the meeple back to the color chart to, on a color? Can can we do that? Sure thing. What color? Uh, oh yeah. Any any preference, guys? Um, I'm going to say Dutch orange because uh, the oran of orange um, is highlighted. Oh, good shot! You touch the obsidian meeple to Dutch orange, and the world around you turns orange. Not the colour orange, but as you say, the essence of orange itself. You smell orange, 
um, and a little hint of Dutch. <laughs> Ooh. Um, mm. the, I'm guessing this will be in the show notes for everyone, but um, uh, just to explain to the listeners, we've got a, a chart with two columns and three rows. The top four cells have um, round colours in um, with a description. We've got lake red, ultramarine blue, duck green, Dutch orange, and then the bottom left, we've got and game cafe black. We also seem to have um, a hexadecimal number, like a little hash, and then uh, like a B03 for Ooh. Lake Red. Well, I have noticed that um, there's the hexadecimal starts with A on Ultramarine Blue and then goes to B on Lake Red, C on Dutch Orange, and D on Duck Green. Could we have to place the meeple down in, in an order? Oh, I was yeah, I was trying to think if that was the right hexadecimal code or not, but it's <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> wow, serial Photoshop user alert. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, could be. What do we think? So I, I think I'd like to place the meeple down on ultramarine blue, please. The world around you is very blue, very very blue, and a little bit ultramarine-y, Whatever an ultramarine is. Mm-hmm. other than obviously a you know space marine kind of <laughs> yeah <maybe> two shoes <laughs> quick move move the meeple <laughs> move it move it now we can we move the meeple to lake red please you do the world around you is red red as a lake if the red lake was filled with red Ooh. can we move the meeple to dutch orange please you move it back to dutch orange and um, you're back in vaguely Dutch orangey void. Such a lovely colour. <laughs> and to duck green, please. Move the meeple to duck green. You are in a green void. You do get a vague sense of duck, but more green than duck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to decide. And what the then to numbers. game cafe black, please. As you move the meeple to the board game black swatch. It seems to stick and fuse, and the world around you turns dark. Your eyes adjust to this new shade of black, and you realise that you are no longer in the void, but instead in a cafe with walls painted that signature (gasps) game cafe black. The paint colour, the coffee machine, and the rickety tables and chairs, and the racks of shelves would indicate that this is perhaps a board game cafe, but something isn't right with it. You see no doors and the only window appears to look out of the dog portal from a great, great height onto the tumultuous apocalyptic ruins of the earth as it slowly drowns in dogs and the rotting remains of mountain-crushing herring. (laughs) The other things that aren't right are that there only appear to be three boxes on the shelves and that the venue appears to be staffed by a nine-foot-tall skeleton in a black, dusty robe. He glances up from attempting to prepare a latte where he has failed to pour a little skull pattern into the foam. Empty eye sockets regard you for a moment in ancient, uncaring disdain. Cool. Welcome to the board game cafe at the end of the world. You can stay for 40 minutes for free, but after that, you must buy something. I must warn you, though, that. <laughs> Excuse me. A lot of meetings today. My throat's gone. I must warn you, though, the card machine has broken. So we can only accept Quantum Mastercard and your lives. He looks back down in disappointment at his failed latte art and, sighing, turns back to the coffee machine. He steams milk. Steam rising between the knuckle bones of his fingers. 
help yourselves to the games on the shelves, and feel free to take any unoccupied tables or chairs. Your time, gentlemen, will appear to start now. Did anyone bring their Quantum Ooh. Mastercard? I think I left mine in my other trousers. Ah, oh, damn. Okay, we're going to have to do this the hard way then. <laughs> uh, can we see what games there are? The three that are available? Sure thing. So you move across to the shelves. You can see that they are dusty and bare with just a few crumbling husks of boxes, indicating that perhaps a millennia ago this was actually quite a well-stocked and much-loved collection. Only three boxes appear to have survived the ravages of eternity. There's a large game entitled Quacks of Quendlingburg, a small box entitled Deep Sea Adventures, and a huge box entitled Mysterium. Mm. What was the first one again, sorry? Quacks, Quacks. of Quendlingburg. How are you spelling Quedlingburg? <laughs> I don't think it's important, but... Q-U-E-D-L-I-N-B-E-R-G, I believe. It might be U-R-G. Cool. I, I didn't realise it was an actual game. I just oh, yeah. copied it's, it's like right there. <laughs> I, I presumed that um, I could made it up. <laughs> no, no, it's a real game. <laughs> I believe they all are, in fact. A deep Sea Adventure, I think I know that one. Well, Mysterium definitely is, because we were talking oh, about yeah. it earlier. Yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> Memory. <laughs> Not my strong point. <laughs> what? Where to begin? Where to begin? So many wow. good choices. How many tables are there? Uh, so you look and there appear to be quite a few uh, tables and chairs. They're made out of that horrible tube aluminium stuff that scups off really nicely uh, and makes that horrible dragging sound when you, you move it about, you know, the, the types of chairs. Uh, they definitely look more comfortable than they will feel. One of the tables is surrounded by several piles of dusty bones that crumble literally at the weight of your gaze and appear to have the desiccated remains of a board game laid out upon it. Can we see, is there, is there anything discernible from those remains of the board game or not? Sure, you take a look and it appears to be the remains of an ancient copy of Ur, the oldest playable board game in the world, uh, which, as you may know, originated four and a half thousand years ago in ancient Mesopotamia, mm. uh, which, fun fact, we only know about uh, because the rules were written down in cuneiform by a Babylonian astronomer wow. uh, back in 177 BC. Crazy. <laughs> The tiles and pieces crumble away in wisps of dust at your very breath, leaving only one thing in the middle of the table. Another obsidian meeple. This one nearly shivering with eldritch energy. Ooh, that's, we probably shouldn't touch that, right, guys? Well, do we already have the one? We've already got one meeple, right? Yeah. Yeah, some, your other meeple appears to have fused with the uh, your colour swatch. Oh. What's it called? What's it called? A colour mills and Mills and Boone. Farrow and Ball colour chart. Farrow and Ball colour chart. Yeah, not, not Mills and Boone colour swatch. Sorry, that's a different thing. Ah. It's Spudge White. Well, Dude. should we should we take a look at one of these these board game boxes? Yeah, let's take a look in the boxes, I think. See if there's anything inside them that might help. You try and open them, but the boxes are inexplicably sealed shut through means invisible to you. They are hard as a rock. That uh, meeple that was buzzing, uh, does it... Does that sort of change? Does the intensity change if we bring our meeple nearer to it or further away from it? You do notice a certain crackly frostiness in the air as it approaches any of the boxes. What about our, our meeple that's fused to the colour chart? Does that. It appears to be inert. It has perhaps okay. spunked its meep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering whether we have to touch this new meeple to uh, one of the boxes. Maybe we're going to collect some meeples and have to do something to each of the boxes or something like that? Possibly. That sounds like a plan, Ben. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> if, before we do that, if we, if, yes. Uh, I don't know if this is too much of a deep dive, but I think Deep Sea Adventure is the only one of those three that uses meeples. Ah. 
So I wonder if we should go for that one first, unless anyone had a, a, a different idea. I was going to ask okay, both of you. Start there. Okay, we can start there. Could could we take the meeple to deep sea adventures, please? Certainly. You touch the meeple to the deep sea adventure box, and as the two make contact, you find yourselves on a boat. Uh oh. Bobbing out in the middle of the open ocean, gulls screech, waves lap. It's very very peaceful. Or at least would be more so if you weren't all in very, very tight speedos. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> oh, nobody needs to see that. What would you like to do? Find some clothing. <laughs> <laughs> what, what can we see around us? Mm. Okay, so looking around you, I'm afraid you don't find anything more substantial than your speedos, but you do see a series of oxygen bottles, a winch, what appears to be a printed seabed scan, of which somebody has circled an area, uh, and a little diving bell. Well, I'm guessing this boat doesn't move. It's just bob, bob, bobbing along. Okay. How you got here without some sort of outboard, outboard motor or steering mechanism? <laughs> Beyond me. <laughs> Magic. Okay. Small oversight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, surely the the choice here is is take the oxygen uh, use the oxygen in the diving bell and go down and see if we can work our way out on the seabed using that map can we figure out from where we are whether we're near to the bit that circled uh so taking a look at the uh the seabed scan uh you can see somebody has as i said circled an area um and the message on it just reads treasure 1650 you've got no way of knowing where you are in relation to that but i think it's a relatively safe assumption to say yeah, pretty close, slash, probably over the top of it. <laughs> I mean, unless anyone else would like to, I'm going to sling a uh, O2 um, canister on my back and uh, head down. Yeah, is it, are they like Go scuba again? I have got fear of open water, so you are going down, my friend. <laughs> the lassophobia. <laughs> I'm pinned to this boat. <laughs> um, so looking at the series of auction bottles, you can see actually in a rather untidy pile in the middle of the boat. Uh, and the bottles appear to be in four different sizes. They range from three units of oxygen, so bottles which contain three units of oxygen, bottles which contain five units of oxygen, seven units of oxygen, and eight units of oxygen. How many of each of them do we have? You have an unlimited amount. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Was the number on the thing, that's, is it Treasure 1650, was that? Yes, that's what I had. And is that all? There's no like hyphen. It doesn't look like it looks more like a year date than a time stamp. That's just treasure sixteen fifty. Okay. And I may need to pause our timer here for a second. While I very quickly check some maths. Okay. <laughs> Hello, editing Mike here. So we took a little break here for a few minutes while I took a second look at the puzzle, uh, and basically worked out there was a horrible piece of anti-fun maths sitting smack bang in the middle of this, which would have just required lots of horrible mathsy stuff to solve and it felt like it would be bad for the recording and terrible fun for our really lovely guests so we took a few minutes here and i essentially amputated a large horrible bit of maths from the middle of it because who likes horrible maths in escape rooms certainly not me whatever was i thinking putting it in there in the first place anyway back now with a little retcon slight retcon uh, i got that wrong so the the printed seabed scan uh, of which the circled area added the message treasure 300 meters ah 300 meters uh that's kind of interesting presumably that's depth rather than flat distance. yes so 
we've presumably got to have enough oxygen to get us down to 300 meters. Um, but you said we had infinite supply of three unit, five unit. Them. Yeah. Well, well probably not infinite, infinite, because infinite, that'll probably sink the boat, but enough, <laughs> enough to uh... <laughs> enough to get there and back. Is, are there any kind of markings on the winch for? Sure. Yeah. So the winch is actually fixed to the stern of the boat, and it appears to be connected um, to the small diving bell uh, that bobs in the water next to you. Uh, it would, I think, happily seat three or two if one person was scared of the water. <laughs> the winch also has a set of instructions next to it on a lovely little brass plaque. They read. Dive and recover gas-powered treasure retrieval winch. Once activated, we'll drop to target depth, pause, and then wind back. Dive requires one unit per 30 metres. Retrieval requires one unit per 20 metres. Oh no, maths. (laughs) So, going down, I think we need 10 units. And going back up, I think we need 15. I think. So, what I did... There is. I took the three hundred meters that we've got to go down because we presume that's down. Yeah, and then because it it's one unit per thirty meters going down, so I did three hundred divided by thirty to get ten. Mm-hmm. And then coming up, it's one unit per twenty meters, so I did three hundred divided by thirty and got fifteen. By twenty, because I'm crap at maths. Sorry. By twenty, you mean coming up? Oh yeah, sorry. Three hundred divided by. 20 equals 13. Uh, and because I'm crap at maths, even talking maths, it seems, um, <laughs> I had to use a calculator. <laughs> Recover. Sorry, so if you dive down to get this kind of gas-powered winch, do you also need enough oxygen to come back up? Well, yeah, if you so want to live. Double the amount. I, th- I think that's certainly implied by the um, the dive and recover element. I suppose if <laughs> right, okay. you just recover if you die down at the bottom, you're not really recovering dive, something. Just so dive, just so, Man, I really want to just rot next to some treasure. <laughs> what a way to go. So 25 units then, yeah? In total, Ben. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So we can have... Um, so for the first one, we can have like a 7 and a 3, because that's really nice and easy. Mm-hmm. And then 15 is... Oh, 3, that's a 5. That's, yeah. that's easy, yeah. But I'm guessing there's going to be limited capacity in this thing to hook them up. Well, so Mike said there was room for three of us, or two, if only two of us wanted to go down. So... Uh, Mike, if we were to load two lots of three, two lots of seven, and then six lots of five, is that, you is that would then enough probably room struggle, the- I'm afraid. So looking inside the diving bell, obviously you see the aforementioned, I say seat, basically a bench, and then you see a set of slots, which may well indeed fit your canisters. The first set reads dive, and the second reads retrieval. Um, there are two of each slot. So, yeah, so I guess uh, three and seven to go down and then uh, seven and eight to come back up. That would do it. And sorry, Mike, did you say that there was... So if there's enough for two of us to go down, is there then enough for four lots to go down and and four lots to come back up again? Or is it a one-person job, this? I, th- I think you could all fit in. It's quite companionable. I just thought I'd give you the option of maybe staying on the boat if you prefer. Do, do we use oh, more yes. oxygen? Yes, please. Yes, please. Send these two down. <laughs> Is it sending one using less oxygen? Is that... <laughs> it's entirely down to you. I, I'm going to go uh, down, we... I think. We'll go down. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll um, attempt to ring the bell so Adam can tell we're still, uh, still alive. <laughs> yeah. I'll look after. I'll look after the boat. Okay, so who's going down? Lee and Ben. Okay, so Lee and Ben. You step into the diving bell, slot the 
7 and the 3 into the down and the 7 and the 8 into the backup uh, ports and you hit the button, the only button. The winch goes down and you find yourself descending into the murky depths. Through the window of your diving bell you see yourselves blop blop blopping through the water past the fishies, past the, I don't know, remains of the Titanic um, <laughs> and then eventually coming to rest at the bottom at 300 metres. Through the little reinforced window you spy a little treasure box sitting on the seabed. A small robotic arm slowly extends from your diving belt and picks it up. After a moment, you hear an automated click, and you start to go back to the surface. After a few moments, Adam, you're very, very pleased to see everybody return. The top of the diving bell opens, and they are able to come out. The treasure box is attached to the side of the diving bell. So very quickly, when you said diving bell, I presumed you went a bell that rang. Um, I had... <laughs> Uh, was was entirely when you were like we get into the bell. I was like, how do we get into a bell? <laughs> I, th- I want to say it's called a diving bell. It, is, I could no, be wrong. No, yeah. it probably is. Oh, it probably is. It's my my ignorance. Did we? Have... I did wonder what you were ringing earlier. Did we have enough oxygen to come back up, allowing for proper decompression, except for three hundred <laughs> meters? Because that's not good. It's not good if we didn't. We're doomed. <laughs> so you know, I was talking about elements that I just I trimmed from the puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was some horrendous yeah it, would, it was like i say anti-fun man. <laughs> so it just needed a little bit of the old fair dues what would you like to do uh oh well should we should we inspect the treasure boys Get absolutely treasure box lee go on <laughs> so it appears to be a rusted but sturdy metal lock box and is sealed with a single lock that appears to need a key to open anyone got any keys on them it's all speedos all around i'm afraid oh dear <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might be worth just having a route around. <laughs> yeah, did we miss anything else on this boat or inside the diving bell? No. No. Okay. Then you have a lovely route around regardless. <laughs> Feel much better. Hmm. We're not allowed to break stuff, so we can't smash do, the lock. <laughs> do we still have our um, obsidian meeple? Ooh. You do indeed. You're, in fact, still holding the game box and the meeple, which are still connected. Are we, I'm just wondering, like, trying to touch one or, like, is it at all, like, key-shaped? Can we, will it fit into the, into the lock? Well, you take the meeple off of the game box to try and fit it in the lock, and the second that it ceases making contact with the box, you find yourselves back in the board game cafe. What? Hmm. The large do, do we have skeleton the treasure? is trying to make a mocker. You do not have the treasure box. Quick, put it back, put it back! <laughs> you put it back and you are once more... On the boat. Is everything is as you left? Still on yeah. the boat. Everything is as you left. Right. Oh, no one reset the board game. Thank goodness. Well, ah, but <laughs> when is the set back up? Go on, Ben. I think you've. I think you've... When, when we went back, were we still in our speedos or were we fully clothed again? <laughs> you were fully clothed again. You were fully clothed. Wow. <laughs> I love that's where Ben went. Are we still wearing speedos? <laughs> I love it. I, um, I thought you were on a similar wavelength to me, Ben, but you weren't. I was going to ask. <laughs> we hold if one of us holds the treasure box first and then we detach the meeple will we bring it back through with us you try this you find yourselves back in the board game cafe with meeple sans treasure okay. box so we might have to go into another game and find the key yes good shout okay so let's leave the treasure box where it is then on the boat i guess are we satisfied we've done everything there? yes i think yep yeah, i think so cool all right let's yeah. go to market let's go to quacks Ooh. Quacks next. The potions festival it is. I oh, shall yes. take the meeple and place it upon the quacks box. 
you take the meeple and you place it on the medium-sized, inverted commas, Quacks of Quendlingberg box, the box that contains the most tokens out of any box in any game ever, particularly if you throw the, the expansions in mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> and you find yourselves transported to a colourful tent in a bustling marketplace. You're all dressed in beautiful robes. You are all dressed in beautiful robes. You are all dressed in beautiful robes and find yourselves with incredible charms sewn into your beards. Before you is a cauldron, and to either side of you are large sacks of ingredients. A town crier outside the tent rings his bell, and the bustle outside goes quiet. Welcome to the first day of the Festival of Quendlingberg, where the great apothecaries and quack salvers compete to mix the finest potions for your amusement and wonder. This year's festival is sponsored by Farrow and Ball. You all have an extra secret special potion to prepare. Are you ready? Mix. Oh, blimey. Um, <laughs> well, we... Is there, is there any paperwork to say what we're supposed to be doing? Sort of a competition entry form or anything like that? <laughs> or an instruction manual. <laughs> you see no competition entry form or the signature Quacks of Quenlingberg instruction manual. <laughs> okay, well, I will do what any good uh, potion maker does, and I will reach into the sack and pull something out. Uncharacteristically, you have not one single sack. You actually have five sacks. <gasps> one appears to contain orange pumpkins. Another contains blue crow skulls. The next, red toadstools. The next, green garden spiders. And finally, white cherry bombs. Somebody's obviously worked out that just doing them out of a sack that you can't see into is a very inefficient way of making potions. <laughs> we should definitely avoid the cherry bombs, knowing what I know about quacks. Uh... So, is there anything else in the room other than I presume, other than these five sacks? Uh, there's various kind of mystic ephemera, uh, dream catchers and mood charms and stones and things, but nothing that strikes you as in any way pertinent to your current undertaking. So, just very quickly, if we were to refer back to our colour chart, we have a red, a blue, a green and an orange. And in theory, that bottom right cell is white. Hmm. Because there's nothing there. Ooh, so, Potent. I mean, it's slightly meta here, but the the white items in quacks are bad, and you lose if you draw them or draw too many of them. So I'm wondering if we avoid them. So, you know, before we used the A, B, C, and D for yes, ben. the order. You look is, at n- is there a quantity thing here? Because we've now uh, got numbers yeah. left. Good shout. Yeah, take that many of each one, perhaps of, of the corresponding color. Is that what you're thinking about? Okay, so uh, maybe we use the letter to denote the order and then the number to denote the quantity. So if we take possibly, whatever yeah. is mm. A, we could try that. Take so one first. Is A? Because I'm just thinking if they are, if what we pull out has a number engraved on it, like it would in Quacks, the game, then uh, we may need to add up to 21 rather than taking 21 of said item. So, okay. so A was ultramarine blue, which would be the blue crow skulls in our sacks. Yeah. So can we retrieve one of the blue crow skulls, please? You do. It's a crow skull. I mean, you're no ornithologist, but (laughs) if somebody told you that's a skull from a crow, you'd probably be like, fine. (laughs) Uh, And there's no number number or anything on it. It's just just a crow skull. No, no. uh, Two eyes, one beak, standard number of holes and pokey bits on a crow skull. Two and one kind of makes 21. (laughs) (laughs) There's Jesus in this toast. (laughs) 
Okay, do we want to take twenty one of these? We don't know what the white. We don't know what the white is. I think avoid it. White's bad in quacks. Okay, let's go for it then. Do we want to add twenty one? <laughs> twenty one crow skulls. It's going to be. A I think so. This <laughs> is some sort of war crime against crows. Okay, you throw twenty one crow skulls into your cauldron. Decreasing the surplus crow population in the area. I mean, I suppose they're already dead, but you are creating demand for what is fundamentally a cruel industry. <laughs> um, how many left? How many are left in the bag? I'll be honest, you make fucking loads. It's been, <laughs> it's been a Just, bad month to be a crow. Because I don't think Mike will have done this, but um, I'm pretty sure that two one in hex is thirty three. So that's that's another option. <laughs> if it doesn't work, okay. <laughs> He's saying Mike's too stupid to know hex, because you'd be right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you would have uh, foisted that upon us. <laughs> this is the man who had to amputate maths earlier. Like, <laughs> Depends how deep you've made this. Like, Are these actually going to be hashtags? And if we Google them, they'll come up. There'd be like one tweet on Twitter that had that exact, <laughs> that exact thing. And there's your answer. <laughs> oh, I've done that before. Been there, done that. <laughs> okay, uh, so that's twenty-one crow skulls have gone in, right? Indeed. Yes. Go for three yes. red uh, toadstools. You throw three red toadstools into the cauldron, and you mix them in with a comically large wooden spoon. Um, what was it next? Next is uh, C was um, orange. Pumpkins. Um, what do we have for orange? Pumpkins. Uh, one one pumpkin. You toss in one pumpkin, which makes a pretty big splosh. <laughs> pumpkins are quite big. Bigger than crow skulls. <laughs> this is one messy potion. Um, and green was green garden spiders. Yeah. Spiders. Yeah. So we need seven of those, please. Seven garden spiders. You throw seven green spiders in. As you mix the ingredients, you hear an almighty and the entire contents of your cauldron puff up in a cloud of fart-smelling smoke. The smoke roils and reforms before taking the shape of a mighty bum dragon that then shoots out of your tent and into the crowd. <laughs> you hear cries of distress as the noxious creation flumps around the place and then cheers. You hear the town crier outside. My goodness, we have a winner on the first day of the festival. Congratulations. Oh, oh somebody get the prize dice. A single dice is thrown through your tent flap. You notice that every side appears to show a black key and, as it comes to rest, the topmost face glows for a moment and then flashes. In a bang of electricity and frost, the dice disappears to be replaced by an obsidian key. Ooh. How? What could that be used for? <laughs> we may never know. Yeah. Tune in next week on the Infinite Escape Room. <laughs> you have 16 minutes remaining. Oh, blimey, yeah. Quick. Should we head back to the boat then, boys? Grab the key. Quick. Oh, yeah, <laughs> grab the key, key first. Good point. Just <laughs> leave before we got the item. <laughs> Adam, you grab the key. I have actually done that before oh, in escape so room. It's like found the thing that we needed and then left the room. Oh, left the part of the room that we needed it in and it's like, oh yeah, I should probably go back for that. <laughs> I guess we remove the meeple from the, uh, the the board game. You remove the people from the board game and you are back in the board game cafe. The robed skeleton figure is rather passive-aggressively mixing yoghurt into some granola. <laughs> Can I try some of the granola, please? From death itself. Approach, and you feel that you may well lose your life if you come too okay. close to I the will not be sampling. this establishment. <laughs> I will not you be sampling his telling, granola. You cannot afford it. <laughs> the deadly granola, the final granola. <laughs> so, back to Deep Sea Adventure then, guys? 
That's where the that's where the lockbox is. Yes. Or do we want to check out Mysterium yeah. first? I think we'll need. Kind of tempting. I reckon whatever is in the treasure box will need for Mysterium. So let's okay. go deep sea diving to retrieve. Okay. Said treasure box item. You touch the obsidian meeple to the deep sea adventure. Tiny little box, beautifully fits in your pocket for taking to the pub, and find yourselves back in the boat with the treasure chest. I shall take said key we retrieved in Quacks of Quedlingburg, and I shall insert it into the treasure box. You do an excellent insertion, and (laughs) the box pops open. Can we just clarify to all your listeners that Adam doesn't normally talk like he's in, like, you know, Game of Thrones or something. He's he's channeling something here. (laughs) He's talking like your RPG character. What's going on? (laughs) All right. Well... All of these kind of podcasts just merge into one, right? (laughs) (laughs) Inside the box, you find another obsidian meeple. This one crackles and spits with even more eldritch energy than the first. Ooh. Mm. Hmm. A magic meeple. Did we grab the previous one or did we just go near it? I can't remember if we actually picked it up off the table Ah. or not. You did pick it up. We did. Yes, because we've got one that's stuck to the the colour chart. And oh yes, then no, we've got yeah. the one that we've been touching around. Okay, um, lad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, shall we? Shall we head to Mysterium and see if? Well, should, should we anything? use some sort of tongs to grab this clearly highly radioactive <laughs> piece of wood? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in speedos at the moment, so we're, oh, we're yeah. not going to be protected either way. Yeah, so let's dead, just. I'll, yeah, I'll, let's I'll, I'll pick it up. <laughs> Okay, Adam, you very bravely pick up the obsidian meeple and the second obsidian meeple and hardly suffer any side effects at all. I was going to say, this dislikes water, it's fine with something potentially radioactive. (laughs) (laughs) Ben and Lee can literally see your bones through your skin. No, no, you're you're, you're absolutely fine. Wonderful. You've returned to the cafe. Uh, The large skeleton is, um, oh, I don't know, putting very expensive price tags on very cheap looking muffins <laughs> i kind of just want to like touch and untouch the um the uh, the meeple from a board game just so we can get more of these uh whatever this guy's <laughs> doing <laughs> but i imagine we've got something like 10 minutes left so yeah um, uh 11 minutes 38 oh, blimey. okay yeah we better we better jump on into mysterium uh can we examine the box just to see. Sure thing. You examine the box. Uh, it's the classic game Mysterium. Uh, the worst instructions ever made for a game ever, but also some of the nicest bits uh, and the most intimidating game set up for a new board game player. But also very accessible, lovely, friendly game. You look at it and you think, there's a good way to start an evening. Do we? St- so we've got two magic meeples now, haven't we? You do have two magic meeples. Oh, does that mean we can access two I... universes at once? Oh. Oh. How's this? My, my thinking was to use the standard one that we've, we've been using to enter the new world, and then maybe we need the extra, extra special one for something in that world. For a boss fight or something. Yeah, good point. Okay. I, I like that. I'm on board. I hope you've all been levelling up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm on board with Let's that, Let's do this. Let's, uh, let's head into Mysterium. Okay, you touch the obsidian meeple to the box of Mysterium. <laughs> And find yourselves once more transported, this time to a gloomy, spooksome mansion. You appear to be in a great hall, lit by the moonlight spilling through a stained glass window. You are dressed in stained trench coats, 
and smell a little bit sweaty because you are psychic investigators <laughs> and psychic investigators don't wash much. <laughs> what do you like to do? Wow. Uh, What's the picture on the stained glass window? Oh, pff, stained glass. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very meta window. It's just infinitely recurring stained glass. Going what colours are on the stained glass? Um, glass colour. Okay, right. So it's dead end. What It's a clear stained glass window. It's a metaphorical Is that all we can see? Just the windows? <laughs> well, looking around, uh, you can see in the centre of the hall is a large marble table. Uh, atop which six sit six uh, Polaroid photographs. Next to them is an empty manila envelope, which appears to have been addressed unambiguously to the police. <laughs> to your right is a wall-length bookcase, which appears to be more books than you could realistically index in the time remaining to you. And directly behind you are the hollow spooksome eyes and wispy transparent body of a spooky ghost. <gasps> the Ghost reaches a strangely jointless hand to Lee and extends a spectral digit to touch your forehead. Lee, you are briefly assaulted by the waking dream of a car with an open bonnet and then a person cupping their hand to the side of their head, listening to something. The ghost then repeats this with Adam. Adam, you see a spooksome image. A prison guard plods along a prison wing. Two people having enthusiastic sex and finally a person at the wheel of a car. The vision and ghosts fade away, but a fading pattern of frost on the floor spells the words, Find me justice. Mm. So, if, any, if Mysterium has taught me anything, it's that whoever passes you the card is on a completely different planet to what you're thinking, so it's going to make zero sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, somebody listening and a card with an open bonnet. Should we have a look at the photographs? Oh, good shout, yes. You take a look at the photographs. There are six of them. Three of them appear to be of people. Three of them appear to be of objects. The first photograph is a man with a bristly beard and a glower. The annotation to the photograph reads, Allard Jones, engineer. The second Polaroid is a lady with a dour expression and pursed lips. The annotation reads, Elizabeth Crower, ornithologist. The third is a lady with a bouffant of hair. The annotation reads, Jemima Ryder, astrologist. And then to the photographs of objects. One is a photograph of a smoking revolver, one a photograph of an empty bottle of poison, and one a blood-stained screwdriver. Hmm. Wow. What were yours again, Adam? What, what did you have? Somebody driving a car and... Someone driving a car, a prison guard, and I can't... What was the, what's, what was the middle one again? Sorry, Mike? Uh, so, yes, yours was... Oh, I'll put the, your dreams in the Discord just so you have them. The envelope. I, are we allowed to look in the envelope? Sure. It's presume... currently empty. Right, okay. I, oh, right, okay. So it is addressed to the police. Yeah, uh, presumably this is this is going meta again. But I think we have to choose two and put them in the in the envelope. Right, that's, that's how we answer. Oh god. Yep. Um. <laughs> is it two and two though? Is it who did it and what they did it with? I think Jemima Ryder did it with Alan Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Person cupping their hand to the side of the head, listening, and then yours has a lot of sounds in it, Adam. If you think you got two people having fun, and oh wow, okay, metaphors are always lost on me. Um... <laughs> so it could be that the I, I've got a prison guard with a with a person behind the wheel of a car. So that could be the the man with the bristly beard 
Why? Um, I know James, well, engineer. So he's in a well, car. Um, but but uh, Lee had a dream with <laughs> a car with an open bonnet. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Fix it. Which would so maybe Alan Jones is listening to the car. Is it definitely a man listening? though? it's just it's just a person, so it could be either gender, right? Yeah, true, true, yeah, it's true. We're making a lot of assumptions. Um, otherwise, uh, if you're going to fix a car, they use a spanner. I mean, right? the two people having enthusiastic sex has has thrown me. <laughs> so you can think of that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we found your level. <laughs> Um, just uh, if we were to like look at one of the books on 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 the shelf, uh, what what does it? What is it? It's uh, Pride and Prejudice with Zombies. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so two of them look miserable, and one of them is expressionless from the descriptions of the photos. And just looking at them now, bristly beard and a glower and a dour expression and pursed lips. So does that mean they have a motive? Or they just... You have four minutes remaining. Oh, God. Would you like a clue? Oh, goodness. Do we want a clue, boys? I, f- I think with four minutes, uh, that would be a yes, yes, please. Yeah. Okay, let's go for a clue. With your dreams, I would say think dingbats. Ah. <laughs> I'm glad that, uh, that that made sense to, um, to Lee. Yeah, I'm actually quite good at dingbats. I've just got to make sure that I get it. <laughs> um. While while Lee is is thinking, um, Adam, do you have any idea what dingbats is? Right. What's in what's in a be- what's under under the bonnet of a car? What powers the car? An engine. An engine. An engine. Ah, what's, what's he trying to engineer. do? He's trying to ear it. Listen. Right. Okay. Engineer. Engineer. Right. Uh, yes, right. Yes. 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 So, yes. So, prison wing sex drive. Screwdriver. It's got to be a blood stain. Oh yes. Screwdriver, ah, right? Screw, isn't it? Yeah. That's what. Screw and then yeah, <laughs> wheel of a card. That's what they call a prison guard, isn't it? A screw. Okay, there we go. Well, I'm guessing the people having sex would be also screw. screw yes, <laughs> yes. Two minutes and forty seconds remaining. Yeah, quick. So, okay, we put the screwdriver and Alan screw- Jones. Yeah, go for it. Ben. In the envelope. You do so. The ghost reappears as you slip the murderer and the weapon into the manila envelope, and gives you an uncharacteristically enthusiastic thumbs up. <laughs> rather unspookily. She then points towards the bookcase and once more touches, this time, Ben on the forehead. Ben, you see an incredibly hairy man at a clay wheel. He appears to be making a pot. Where's that chat going? Okay. To clay wheel. Uh, hairy man, clay wheel, pot, potter. Oh, ha- Harry, po- Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Ha- Harry, Harry, Harry Potter. Oh, can we go to the bookshelf and get uh, Harry Potter off the bookshelf, please? You go to the bookshelf and you find Harry Potter, the only one on the shelf, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. You take it off and it appears to be, what's this? Hollow. You give it a little shake and it opens up. Within, you find a copy of Exit the Game, the board game cafe at the end of the world. (laughs) One minute remaining. Touch the obsidian meeple to that. Oh, um... yeah, all that. (laughs) Which one? Oh, yeah, the fancy meeple, the sparkly yeah. one. The, yeah, the yeah, fancy the one. one. The super... Yeah, 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 let's do that. You, you take the sparkly, fancy, new obsidian meeple and you touch it to the exit of the game. And I'm going to pause your timer now. You place the obsidian meeple on the copy of Exit the Game, Board Game Cafe at the End of the World, and with a snap... You are transported once more and find yourselves moving fast. 
We appear to be zooming through a swirling void towards a rapidly approaching point of light. You hear a sound behind you, and turning, you see the tall skeleton proprietor of the cafe, the barista of the game cafe at the end of the world. He is zooming not far behind you, bony hand outstretched to touch you. You freeloaders aren't getting away without at least buying some homemade banana bread. He threatens. <laughs> the distance between his bones grows and grows as he stretches the essence of his being towards you to touch you. His hand is a foot away, then an inch, and then bang! You collide with the source of the light and pop out into the air. You tumble onto something soft. Could it possibly, after all this, be grass? No. No, 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 it's dogs. You're back on the earth. It's still the herring apocalypse. And the entire world now appears to be several feet deep in dogs. Looking back at where you came from, you see a portal try and close shut, but before it can, a bony arm reaches out and flails towards you. The two resist one another for a moment before, snip, the portal snaps shut out of existence, severing the bony arm at the elbow. It hits the ground, where it twitches and flails, and where it touches, a brown miasma of corruption begins to spread. First from the dog pile, and then rapidly outwards and towards you. Each dog it touches squirms for a moment before turning into a pile of chocolate hobnobs with a light, biscuity pop. As the field expands, you see the original hobnobs shift and shiver, shifting between a state of custard cream and Fox's chocolate selection. For a moment, <laughs> you think you might even glimpse Marks and Spencer's party rings. The field continues to expand and speeds up. You start to walk away, and after a moment, you run. And congratulations, you solved my puzzle. Well done, guys. Hooray! Hey. 53 seconds to spare. Oh, blimey. That was a tight Four. one. <laughs> Ooh. That was excellent. That was, that was brilliant. Such good fun. That was a great one. Oh, I'm glad yeah. we made it out, though. Yeah, I was worried. Like, when you said there was exit the game in, I was like, oh, God, we've got to play another game yet. There's like, <laughs> it's like going to just tear all the cards up quick. It's, it's Gameception. Where does it end? It was when you went, I'm good at dingbats. I was like, oh, thank Christ. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, that could have been desperately abstract and all gone horribly it's, wrong. It's a weird thing, because like, I, you know, whenever I see those kind of things on, like, you see it on, like, um, the big fat quiz of the year and that, like, my wife will be, sometimes she'll get it straight away and sometimes she'll be like, what the hell? And it's kind of one of those, it's really hard. You've either got to be in tune with whoever wrote the thing mm. or... Or just, yeah, it must be a certain type of mentality that gets dingbats. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't it a font? <laughs> a swing dings. <laughs> yeah. Similar deal, though. I oh, guess. brilliant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, do you, do you, I guess for the audience, do you want to explain what a dingbat is for those who haven't uh, oh, haven't twigged? Okay. Uh, so a dingbat is a sort of visual representation of a, a, a word, phrase or saying, uh, you know, such as, you know, here's a picture of an engine and here's someone cupping their ear, engineer. You could have the word stand with the, a line under it and then the letter I under it. I understand that kind of thing. I'm probably, I'm probably absolutely butchering the way to explain a dingbat, but... Is that what they had on um, Catchphrase when they used to have... Uh, they used to have... Uh, I guess that was the other way around, wasn't it? They had a picture that um, would denote like a, a word or a phrase. Kind of, yeah. It's, it's a simplified form of Catchphrase. You don't have an animated Mr. Chips. You used to get them in the, like, in the newspapers <laughs> and stuff, or in like, quiz books and puzzle books and things. But yeah, similar yeah, and, and not, not good podcasting, so uh, hence, hence, a, <laughs> yeah. hence a dingbat of the year. <laughs> I must say, you guys saw straight through to like the, the stab of each puzzle basically instantly as well. Like, you oh, really? just kind of you went, oh, this is, this is the game on this one. This is what I need to do on this one. It's, uh, I've, I've actually done, you know, I don't want to sound 
arrogant. I've done a fair few escape rooms in the last few years, so I I, I quite enjoy puzzles. So yeah, I think maybe that's why. Maybe I've, I've, not that I've seen your puzzles before. You know what I mean? It's like I kind of <laughs> maybe know where to look, and I knew the games that you'd mentioned, so it's like I had a bit of an inkling. I've really enjoyed it. I think um, one of the challenges, especially if you go do these kind of um, escape rooms in person, it's quite easy to go around the room and just wreck it and find things. But actually doing a podcast version of it, you get to explore the room and you've got mm. to really think about what you're being presented with and how you interact with those those kind of objects and elements that you've kind of designed. So I've really enjoyed yeah, that aspect that brilliant. as well. And how you've just taken like board games and made them into an escape room is amazing. Oh, yeah. To be fair, three of them are, those are three of my favourite board games. So. Quacks Quinnenberg, we bust out every board game day because it's just such a lovely kind of opening game to get everybody started. Mm. Mysterium is just wonderful for of an evening when you've had a couple of whiskeys. Um, Mysterium Park, actually, if you've played that, is... Have you, have you played Mysterium no, Park? No, I've, I've uh, read a review of it, though. It does sound really good. It's, it's great. They just went, oh, what if we distill Mysterium down into something that you can set up in less than three days? So here's something. You, you know, you mentioned that Quacks has got all these, like, the most tokens ever seen in a board game. I'm pretty sure that Lee edged all of his tokens, which is taking a Sharpie and colouring in the edge of all of the different coloured tokens. That is true. No way. It it, it is. I mean, it does look phenomenal. And then I also put them in. Oh, God. Yeah, I am. I I do actually have a wife. She's not imaginary, but I did buy little. uh, I've seen a few people on various board game websites and they they buy like these little coin capsules that, you know, coin collectors use to keep their coins pristine. Mm. And you put the tokens in that, and it stops the print wearing off them. Because oh, are they, are they like little tubes or something. Uh, no, the little—it's uh, literally a plastic case that will fit around a coin. But you, you pop the hmm. pop the token in that, and then it means they get they make a nice clatter. And then because the, the first time we played Quacks, we we went and played it in a board game cafe, and obviously that copy has had a lot of play, and this, everything was worn hmm. off. They'd literally written on the tokens with biro what they were because all the print had worn oh. off. So I was like, well, I'm not buying a game and then having that happen to it. So I went and bought a load of coin capsules to protect them. What's, there's a game that, that Tom has, which um, you're meant to like destroy it. You're oh, meant yeah. to write on... It's, every time you play it, it's different. Pandemic Legacy, right? Perhaps, he, I don't know. I can't remember. But he's, he's laminated it so that yeah. um, he can play it over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one, right, Adam? <laughs> Yeah, so Tom's got um, a couple. He's got Pandemic Legacy he, uh, Season 1. He's also got um, Betrayal, which is um, House on Haunted Hill. I don't know if you've played that oh, game. Oh, I'd love so, to play that so much. Yeah. But the Legacy one's quite funny because you kind of like change the house as you go through time. Really interesting, really great playthrough. <laughs> oh, um, my God. <laughs> and and they, they've, they've just released uh, one of our groups shared an article um, earlier today on, oh, I think it's earlier this week, on a Jurassic Park Legacy board game. So that, mm. that sounds phenomenal. <laughs> so interesting to see what, what they do with that. I think that's Funko Games. Yeah, I think, I'm assuming you get up and you stamp on the board like a real dinosaur. <laughs> that's, my, that's my assumption. Just kick it around a bit. <laughs> um, Adam and Lee, is there anything that you'd like to say before we do the outro? That- Any other projects you want to plug, like your RPG stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can also find us on uh, Adam and I, Moonlight, on another podcast called uh, Wreckage, which uh, is a, it's run by a friend of ours, John. Uh, he, uh, he runs a little RPG that we play on. Uh, play in sorry as characters um you can find that at anchor.fm forward slash wreckage rpg 
And uh, I also appear on another podcast as well. I'm all over the shop here. I'm on one called The Geek's Journal, which is uh, me and a bunch of my friends. We talk about uh, movies from our kind of childhood, all kind of nostalgia kind of trip. And, you know, some, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. But it's all, it's all a good laugh. <laughs> that sounds brilliant. Yeah, it's, uh, it's thegeeksjournal.podbean.com. So thank you very much to Adam and Lee of the Average Gamers Podcast for joining us this evening. And back over to you, Ben. Thanks very much for listening. You can subscribe to us on all of your favourite apps, feeds, iTunes, and at our website, www.theinfiniteescaperoom.com. You can follow us and get in touch via Facebook and Twitter at tier underscore podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, and we really hope you did, we'd be much obliged if you could leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook, as it's a massive help in reaching new audiences. And as mentioned at the top of the show, we're also on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash The Infinite Escape Room, where you can listen to episodes a week early, have your name mentioned on the show, get unedited episodes, and more. We love you lots, and we hope to see you next time in another Infinite Escape Room. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so I wasn't sure if we needed awesome. to say bye there. <laughs> <laughs>